Welcome to a brand new Coronation Overreaction. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko, and joining me, this handsome bearded backward cap devil, the one and only Haas Reuter. And I was thinking, Greg, Haas, it's a bye week. We have nothing to overreact to. And I say, nay, nay, because there was still football played this past week. We've got some fun games to take a look at, uh, but first... Let's jump in. Haas, how are you, sir? Good. I'm doing really good. It was kind of a nice bye week to let the uh, let the overall stress just kind of fall away when watching football. And I replaced that stress with eating a ton of pizza and drinking a few too many Coors banquets at a local establishment yesterday afternoon. I, uh, as we talked before we start uh, rolling, I say rolling sound, but rolling picture as well. Uh, my oldest was at a scouts, uh, a Cub Scout camp out. Uh, my wife took him. Uh, he, he wanted her to take him, which was fine. Uh, but I, that left me home with the twins. So we watched, we peppered in a little bit of college football between some Mickey Mouse and some Bluey and some Elmo because they're two. So uh, fair enough. Got, got a little bit, so, you know, kept up to date certainly with some scores and, and some highlights and, and for some schools, some lowlights. And we're going to uh, do our best to talk about all of them. I want to start, my friend, in the Big Ten West. Does that sound fair to you? That sounds great to me. Sounds very fair. Big Ten West, we saw uh, probably the premier matchup in the Big Ten West, Iowa at Wisconsin. Now, this was a, I think, Saturday afternoon yep. game. Uh, three o'clock kick. Three o'clock kick, and Wisconsin, as as uh, young kids today, they're on the struggle bus. Or I don't know, maybe young kids aren't saying that anymore, but they did at one point. Uh, Wisconsin mustered a measly six points. Iowa, which is still with that Brian Ferentz twenty five PPGs, uh, got up to fifteen. Um, but Iowa left Camp Randall with a W, uh, largely based on kind of what they're known for defense. Yeah, um, Iowa and Wisconsin still have solid defenses, uh, but those man, those offenses look like a couple of Bowery bums staggering around trying to land haymakers on one another, and they couldn't connect. Um, the Big Ten West is not what you would call a uh, bastion of good offensive football. <laughs> um, and really, what you know, when you take a look around the league, um, you know, Iowa took care of Wisconsin, and I'll get into how that kind of affects us here in a minute. Illinois beat Maryland. Um, I'm not sure. What do we have? Do you have the list right offhand, Greg? I do. Um, so, again, okay, Iowa-Wisconsin, uh, Illinois beat Maryland, Purdue lost to Ohio State. Ohio State, yep. And I couldn't find anything for Northwestern or Minnesota. I wonder if they both had buys. And Nebraska, of course, had the buy. Well, you know, I'll say this about the Big Ten West. The it's door is game. wide open. <laughs> the door is wide open. And I think the messaging right now moving forward for the rest of the season, if I'm Matt Rule, is I'm reiterating to the guys, like, the door is wide open. Do you want to take advantage of this? It's up to you. Go and take it. Go and take what you think. If you, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but, like, if you if you think that you're capable of this, go and take what you think is your right. You know, because I think we touched upon it earlier in the year where, you know, I said the quote that, Winners and losers, you know, winners need to be treated, you know, told to get back to the grindstone. Losers just need a little bit of confidence. You know, I think right now as a program as a whole with how long it's been since we've been a contender on any level, uh, we just need a little bit of confidence. And sometimes that's the faking it until you make it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, right now it's like, you know, this team is starting to carry itself in a way that it it would believe. And then it all starts on Saturday with Northwestern. Go out there and score 40 points. Like, it, you want to, you know, you want an injection of real confidence? Go and score 40 points in a Big Ten football game. At homecoming, I believe. No, not, maybe not homecoming, but yeah, the, the, homecoming. the 100th, 100th anniversary Memorial Stadium. And then, you know what? The next week against a Purdue team that's not very good, a team that, since 2018, we've only beaten once, and that was during COVID. Go and go and put the boots to them. Go and kick their ass again. And then go – we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. Go up to Michigan State on November 4th and lock up your bowl eligibility right there. You got you six wins with three to go. Anything mm-hmm. on top of six is just gravy. You know? Yeah. And if you do that, 
and approach it. Well, I mean, imagine Maryland a week. Imagine us playing Maryland and Lincoln a week after getting our sixth win of the year on the road. That stadium's going to be rocking. Oh, and Wisconsin's not that scary. You know what? For Nebraska, what it is is Wisconsin's just a psychological barrier. It's just a it's psychological like, barrier in our heads. And because then, because Nebraska's played Wisconsin really very well. close the, the last few years. Last year we should have yeah. won last year, except for Mark Whipple. Mark Whip not wanting to run the football with 90 seconds left. Instead, we go three and out. We shank a punt into the wind, and Wisconsin hits an absolute bomb down to the one-yard line and then scores. You know, Mark Whipple, that should, that's coaching malpractice right there. He should, be fi- should have been fired even with one game to go. Um, I will never, ever get over that dislike. <laughs> you will never let it go. No, I won't. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, like there's a real possibility if we take care of business one game at a time, that on you know Black Friday we're playing for all the marbles in the West against Iowa, mm-hmm. and you know go, go take care of business. Go, you know I, I know we dropped a lot of f bombs last week when we were trying to kind of watch the language, but go fucking take care of it. If you want it, go and take it. You know it's time that this program walks tall a little bit again. I, I want to. Uh, I, these, these numbers are from a, a source on on X or Twitter that. You know, I, I don't necessarily care for, um, but uh, allegedly the numbers come from ESPN regarding Nebraska um, for the rest of the remainder of the season. Uh, they are projected. Their win loss pro, uh, is 5.5 and 6.6. 6. Uh, their chances for six wins is 47.9%. 2.9% chance to win the division, 0% chance to win out. And want to guess what the uh, percentage is that they'll the percentage of a chance that they'll win the conference hoss? Less than zero point zero one. Close. More than zero point zero one. Zero point one percent. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying that, and and not only that, but uh, when you're and look, I know they're not going to go into every game through remainder of the season as an underdog. You know, especially when you have Northwestern, you have Purdue. Uh, I think, in, in fact, uh, being favored 12 and a half points against Northwestern at this point, you know, uh, less than a week out, it's the first time they've been favored against a Power Five uh, program this season. But nobody's counting on you to do anything of significance. No, you know, and, 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 and I didn't mean, uh, no, no, I was interrupting you. Uh, by the way, John listens to the show. Our, our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnson, he says we're too nice when we interrupt one another. <laughs> he says, he, he says, I say sorry too much. <laughs> John, what, John, I'm going to say this because I know you're listening out there. What the fuck, man? Drop it in the slack. Um, but but when when nobody is counting on you to do anything, That's you can do anything you want to do. Yeah. It is the best spot to be in for this team under Matt Rule in his first year. Yeah, exactly. You know, like no, the expectations are low, and it goes back to the purity of the rise, the innocence of the climb, you know, as he called it. And it's like just go out there and just play it one play at a time and keep stacking those plays on top of one another. And, and you know, like if we that, die, we die. I want that. I, I think I should get that as like a, my next tattoo <laughs> or something, you know. Just like what what a great way to basically say just go out there and let it all hang out. Yeah. You know, like, and, and look, we, we talked last week, you know, we, we knew we lost Marcus Washington for the remainder of the year. I believe it was the ACL. I mean, we're down two starting running backs, essentially a quarterback, uh, three receivers, a couple players on defense. And you like, know, we haven't heard at all. We haven't heard a single excuse no. out of him. No. It's our, refreshing. Our, our our past four staffs would have been, you know, bitching about something. But mm-hmm. no, we just get the okay. Well, we're gonna make do. We're gonna figure it out. You know, it's like it's like Tom Hanks um, in Saving Private Ryan tells his men, you know, gripes don't go down the chain of command. That's right. Gripes go up the chain. Of <laughs> That's right. Where I'm at, you know, and it's like, but how many other coaches would we have heard? You know, like Frost would have been saying it in a post game press conference. Riley would have maybe not been saying it outright, but you would have been able to read between the lines. You probably would have mm-hmm. had Bob Diaco saying some weird shit, you know, <laughs> or Mark Banker just blatantly saying something that out of pocket. 
Uh, Polini, we know that he would have, you know, blown up about it at some point. Callahan would have had some arrogant remark, you know, about what was he was led, you know, from his predecessor. You know, so like it's so refreshing and it's a it's a sign that we have professionals in the building. And uh, I think that at this point, just go out there one game at a time and take care of business. Um, you know, we talked earlier in the year about being better in game 12 than we were in game one. Mm-hmm. Like this is a good example of like, we had no favors given to us by our first two games, you know, and yep. yet we are in a position to win Minnesota, Colorado. I think we, we were in a position to, you know, really contend in that game. If our offense wouldn't have just completely melted down with turnovers and, you know, being able to the inability to execute in certain uh, areas of the game. And so, you know, you're three and three with six to go. Like, you know who you are. You've been through some wars at this point, you know, like go out there and, you know, go take what you think that you can do. Go take what you believe is yours. And, and I love that you um, uh, reference Tom Hanks in saving private Ryan. Uh, he goes on to say, um, you know, uh, you grabbed me, I grabbed my super. It would be, you know, that I I feel like Matt Rule might be. He's the I'm best leader we've had since Tom Osborne. I might say it's Tom, uh, Frank Solich. You know, I don't think well, Frank Solich would pass the buck. Solich just didn't have the dynamic personality. You know, that's kind of why you know I'll give Rule the nod over. No. It, it, like, no, correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, um, poo-poo on, a, on you, a legend and a state hero. The Solich Civil War. No, but I did. Tom Osborne. Correct. I, I'm, I'm asking. I'm, this is a genuine question of of interest. Not not starting fights. Okay. Was I know Tom Osborne was a leader, but was he dynamic as a play or, caller or as an innovator? Yes. I mean, as as a leader. Oh yeah. I, I well, feel like I he was more so. of a I'll pull you to the side, I'll talk to you one on one. I don't I don't know again. Oh, correct me. He's he wasn't like a rah-rah guy. No. He wasn't he, he wouldn't have made a speech like Matt Rule made. No, but I have heard some things from like some of the guys who played for him who were on the radio from time to time in Omaha. And they said, you know, like behind the scenes he'd really show it more, you know, okay. to players like talking about like a lot of guys who played from the late eighties and early nineties have talked about like his open disdain for Colorado. <laughs> he openly displayed in front of the team, you know, but you know, it's kind of like as the leader of the program, as the face of the program, because call in college football players come and go right. they got four or five years, you know, coaches are the face of a program. Um, you know, he was kind of that same stoic, you know, solid leader that we've always had. And so, um, and then he, you know, some people have described him as a little bit boring of a personality, you know, but it just, it, you know, especially for that generation of Nebraskan, you know, that grew up, you know, as a young kid during the Depression, World War II, stuff like that. And again, folks out there, if you're watching this, if you don't send your hate tweets at uh, at the number five heart podcast, that's the one I'll use for this show as well. Don't send hate tweets. I was genuinely curious. I wasn't Greg, yeah, casting Greg, stones. Yeah, Greg's uh, Greg's learning. We don't yeah. we don't diss on learning around here. No. Um, let's, let's recap the rest of the, uh, big 10 real quick. Um, Michigan, 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 uh, started out a little slow. They got down seven, nothing to Indiana and then rattled off 52 straight. So no problem there. Um, Rutgers did beat, uh, Michigan state, uh, 27, 24 Ohio state handled Purdue 41, seven. We talked about Illinois. I'll tell you what, maybe the surprise of the week was Illinois, Beating Maryland, I think that might have been considered an upset. Beat them by uh, uh, three points, 27-24 on the road in College Park. The Rutgers totally puked, or Michigan State totally puked against Rutgers. Well, I don't know if I'd call that an upset with everything that's been going on in East Lansing. Yeah, well, Michigan State did have a 24-6 to lead at one point in the game. Okay, well, I mean, that that we I didn't know that. We could add that to a long list of uh, superb comebacks, <laughs> which we'll get to no. as well. Uh, we talked about I, comebacks. We'll get there. We'll get. Trust me, it's on the list. Uh, we talked about Iowa, Wisconsin, and how both of those teams have tough defenses, and that's kind of about it. Uh, and then Penn State playing the only game out of conference uh, took care of UMass, 
I don't know why that this is the one I question like, why are you playing UMass in October? But it was 63 zip uh, Penn state. Oh. But, but I want to, I, I, I mentioned all that because I want to talk about a bigger and I didn't warn you about this one, uh, but a bigger, when we look at uh, scores from ranked sec teams, Alabama, who's number 11, barely beat Arkansas 24-21. Uh, top-ranked Georgia did beat Vanderbilt, but I, depending on who you talk to, probably closer than you think, 37-20. to 20. Um, We talked about the top two in the Big Ten, number two Michigan, number three Ohio State, their big wins. Um, and then number 17 Tennessee beat uh, Texas A&M by a score. I, I don't know. Is it is it safe to say maybe – that the top parts and and look the the weekly rankings don't reflect this and ESPN would never admit it but is it safe to say maybe that the 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 best teams in the Big 10 are better than the best teams in the SEC you know i don't really know if there's a transitive property there just because of the fact you know it's all about matchups it's all about how your opponent matches up in terms of athletes in terms of scheme you know where you're playing, whether it's at home or on the road, whether um, so I I don't really I don't really get much into the you know the conference wars you know, but I will say this: if you want to look at the way the Big Ten's constructed and the SEC's constructed historically, I thought the SEC probably was better at their at the top, but the Big Ten was a stronger conference top to bottom with more solid teams middle of the pack, you know. Um, the SEC is very top-heavy. But what I think you're seeing this year, I think you're seeing Alabama get ready to take a step back. Mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see that they just – sustaining that level of excellence for a long period of time is a very difficult thing to do. And I think you're starting to see the the natural end point where it's just kind of like, you know what, we've been doing this a long time, and you know, human nature of wanting to relax begins to set in. There's a a, has been over the last couple of years a noticeable power shift to the eastern part of the conference with Georgia. Oh, for sure. And Georgia, you know, like nobody's out recruiting them. And, you know, Mark Stoops at Kentucky even said it's the best team money can buy. (laughs) Well, it's legal to do that now. I was going to say, yeah, legal now. Not that it stopped him before. No, no. Georgia wrote the book on it, you know. Uh, But yeah, like I think you're starting to see, I think the SEC is a bit over. Like, I will say that I don't like to look at it, you know, transitively, you know, in terms of comparison. But I think you are seeing. I, th- I think you're seeing the Big Ten get better. I'll put it that way. And I think that's driven a lot by like Ohio State, you know, kind of transitioning to being more wide open of an Sure. Offense. You know, Michigan kind of taking on a little bit more of an NFL model. Penn State recruiting at as high of a level as you're ever going to see. In the West, you know, you, the West Division, there are some really good football coaches in the West, you know, mm-hmm. when you get it on paper. You know, it's not the boring-ass league it was six years ago, and it was Ference and Fleck and, you know, uh, I mean, they're still there. and Mike Riley and, you know, <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald, Lovey Smith, you know. Like, it's, you know, Matt Rule's a damn good football coach. P.J. Fleck's a damn good football coach. You know, Luke Fickle. Ference, unfortunately, the dude, yeah. He, he doesn't win. Let me put it this way about Kirk Ferentz. He doesn't win. <laughs> he just doesn't lose. Right. Yeah. He won't go out and win the game. He just waits for you to lose it. <laughs> and it and what it has, it's bumped uh, Iowa up to number 24. Yeah, well, I, you know what? You know what? I want them to keep winning until they come into Lincoln on November the 24th. That's fair. You know that monologue from Jaws when Quint's like gives you a doll's eyes, shark's eyes, chief. Please tell it's, me you've seen Jaws. I've, I have. It's been a long time. Well, it's only one of the greatest movie monologues of all time, Greg. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you want to reference uh, Saving Private Ryan again? I know right what you're talking about. But yeah, okay. I, <laughs> well, you know, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make an analogy to comparing it to you know Black Friday to D Day. That's very uh, uncouth. That's not yeah. cool. You know. Uh, but I was just going to say, you know, like I could go on and on about Iowa, just like Quint from uh, Jaws, you know, just talking about if they're highly ranked and it's, you know, maybe not highly ranked, but let's say they're ranked 15th, mm-hmm. you know, and they're coming to Lincoln, shot at the division title, and we're playing them. And if we win, we go to Indy instead of them. 
that is going to be one raucous environment. It, I want to kind of back up and, and double down on what you said, is that Iowa doesn't play flashy football. You know, I mean, they're not as smooth offensively this year as they have been in the past. That's saying something because, again, that's why they put the 25-point-per-game rule in place in the first place. Um, but they're patient. And like you said, they're not going to beat you. They're going to wait for you to beat yourself. And that's um, why they had Frost's number. Yeah, because undisciplined, yep. um, chaotic. I, I don't think that, you know, knock on wood that we don't lose any more uh, starters or, or anybody, really. We don't have the depth anymore to, to have anybody go down. But by the 12th game of the season, you know, six weeks from now, we do have the potential and look, I know, folks. Last week we we said the word "if" quite a bit. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're still rephrase. saying "if" a lot. Yeah, but but I'm rephrasing it by saying we have the potential. <laughs> just like saying "if," just with more words, uh, to you know have uh, maybe a complete game in all three phases, minimizing our mistakes. Don't beat ourselves. Uh, Matt Rule said earlier, I think this week in, in the in the bye week presser. He says, we can beat every team on the rest of the schedule, and every team can beat us. Well, <laughs> yeah. That is the best way to put it. We, uh, you know, we can beat everybody. They, everybody can beat us. And I really lean towards we actually might have a shot at this thing, closing it out, you know. And I'm not saying winning out every game, but, you know, just doing enough to win the division. I'm saying that on the basis of our defense, yep. you know, like, because we're not playing any offensive juggernauts in this conference. We are built to stop Iowa's, you know, offense. We're, we will be able to contend easily, not easily. I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect Wisconsin, but like that scheme is very similar to what Colorado runs. Mm-hmm. So like we've seen it. We bottled up Colorado before the dam just broke because we couldn't do anything offensively. The only offense that legitimately really concerns me moving forward is Maryland, you know, like Maryland with Talia Tagaviola and, you know, they got Josh Gaddis calling plays, and I believe Kevin Sumlin's on staff now there. Uh, That's the offense that scares me the most moving forward. But if we can run the football, play good defense, and not make mistakes, you know, be strong in the kicking game on both sides, you know, we'll we'll have a chance. You know, like it's I think it's going to be a fun last six weeks of the season. I definitely hope so. Obviously, <laughs> I know I know that's uh, um, give something to play for. Damn it! Right? Yeah. Don't you know? Let's not limp into the off season. Let's let's charge into it headlong or uh, you know full speed ahead or whatever. All I, right. I want, I want. Let me. I sorry to cut you off. Sorry, John. But we, you know, uh, we we apologize on this podcast. We cut each other off. That's part of our brand. Okay. You know, that's right. Uh, we're embracing it. It's who we are. Uh, if we die, we die. <laughs> Well, it, it, it kind of at the, at the end, though, you want to have meaningful snaps in week 12 or yeah, I guess technically week 13, you know, like you want to have meaningful snaps. Nebraska, Penn State, Indianapolis, December 2nd. That's what we want to hope for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, well, let's no, going to say is I want I want us to and because it's been so long as a program since something like this happened. I want Lincoln on Black Friday, when that game's over with, I don't want people shuffling back to their cars, going home, just be like, oh, well, season's over because we lost. Yeah. You know? you know, be that's the saddest thing in life, you know, as a Husker fan when that happens. Done that a few too many times. I want it to be like whoever's at the game, and I'm planning on being there. If it, if it came down to winning the West and we beat Iowa when we won the West, I want downtown Lincoln just to be one big party. Mm-hmm. Because damn it, we deserve it. It's I, been feel like, I, I feel like this whole program, as a whole, needs to you know think of positive affirmations. Look in the mirror, you know. It it's imagine the weight that will be lifted if such a thing happens. Imagine the weight that will be lifted if if not if when they make a bowl game, you know, when they become bowl eligible, because that's the first step. Our rematch with Colorado that I've been calling. Oh. In the uh, Las Vegas Bowl, Las Vegas Bowl, yeah. Um, 
If they, well, no, never mind. Can't have that in there. Uh, all right. I want to take a quick look at, at next week's schedule uh, for the Big Ten. Obviously, we know no- Northwestern's going to be in Nebraska, 2 30 kickoff from Lincoln. Uh, Iowa, Minnesota, that's another th- game that could honestly go either way. Yeah. It really could. It really could. Um, Michigan, Michigan State, foregone conclusion. I'm sorry. Michigan's going to kill the Spartans. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois. That's another one, kind of like Minnesota-Iowa. You're not really sure exactly what you're going to get because we didn't expect Illinois to bounce back and uh, and go on the road and beat uh, Maryland like they did. I could see Illinois taking that one, you know, somehow. But we also know that Illinois or Iowa's defense is better than Illinois, so Wisconsin should be able to move the ball a little bit better. So I recall that game's in Champaign. It is. Even though I don't know if it really matters much. No. Um, no, because I think there'll probably be about as many Badger fans. It's not that far, realistically, from uh, Madison to Champaign. Uh, Rutgers in Indiana, toss up coin flip, in my opinion. Who cares? Um, and honestly, the, the, and I'm honestly, I'm surprised they haven't flex scheduled this one out to a, a better time slot. But Penn State at Ohio State. Oh, what time's that one? That's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Oh, big noon. Big noon. I'll be yep. watching that one. That'll be that'll be bonkers. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a crazy day in the Big Ten. Uh, but we're not going to look forward just yet. We're going to look back. You, know, you reminded me of the game that Michigan State let slip away. They were not the only team to do so this past weekend. And let's go to Saturday night before we go to Friday night. Saturday night saw a Mountain West matchup between Boise State and. Colorado State mm-hmm. and Boise State was up, I believe, by 20 points. Uh, I think it was 30 to 10 with six, six and a half minutes left in the game. Only for Colorado State to come back and win in walk off fashion, first a Hail Mary and then walking it off with an extra long PAT because of a penalty Operation on the penalty. touchdown. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was watching the highlights of that of, of those last six or so minutes. Um, I'll tell you, when you line up and prevent, the only thing you prevent is yourself from winning, and and that's what happened when Colorado State went down. They they moved the ball efficiently on all of those drives, and and the the hail mary. You always say you're supposed to hit it down. When it was batted down, it went right into the arms of a Colorado State, probably tight end or maybe slot receiver. I'm not sure. Um, but Damn. what a what a what a bit of bad luck. Uh, Colorado State. It was a home game for them. They were rocking. Uh, apparently, when they score in a night game, they flash the lights on and off. I thought you were going to say they flash something. They might have. They didn't show that on TV. <laughs> um, so that segues perfectly into what you wanted to, what you texted me earlier about what you wanted to discuss about the two minute offense. Mm-hmm. We're good to cover this now, or you want? Wanna- that's exactly because I was thinking about that, but I was also I was also watching part of the uh, Wisconsin Iowa game, and Wisconsin was actually starting to move the ball a little bit when they were in their two minute offense uh, towards the end. It ended up not going where, but I thought because we saw this. In Champaign just last week against Nebraska, uh, Illinois, Nebraska, Illinois started moving the ball a little bit in chunks. Is that how do how, why does that happen, Haas? Well, it's a lot of it's the defensive alignment. They're mm-hmm. going to line up and you know prevent, or they're going to line up at a certain depth and just want to keep everything in front of them. Right. And you know, a lot of times those two minute drills, it's a set of plays that they practice so many times. There's no, you know specific game plan related play that they're like, Oh shit, what am I supposed to do on this play when they're tired? You know, thinking about, you know, what their assignment is on one play out of the 200, you know, that they practice. And so like, it's just a, just a case of, you know, being prepared and then the defensive alignment there. So the repetition, the more reaction rather than having to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I feel like in in the history of football, both professional and in college, I have seen where you know some teams kind of move at a tempo that is reminiscent of a of a two minute drill. Uh, why isn't it 
woven in a little bit more frequently. Well, you, just- see a lot, you see a lot of teams go no huddle, you know, nowadays. You know, that's probably the majority of the teams in the conference that, you know, or in the country, they don't, they don't huddle and, you know, they're just getting to the line quickly. But then when they're getting to the line, you know, there's the pause, look at the sideline, check with me, audible. And so it's not going fast, but like, right. That that's an interesting thing where when you think about the time, you know, the tempo, and then having just those set number of plays, it's kind of like with the New England Patriots. I know you love when I mentioned them on this podcast. Could but, you go a week without mentioning them? They, well, you know what they've done a lot for the game of football. <laughs> uh, you know what they've done with they started doing back in like 2010, 2011, where they would just have packages of plays for their tempo situation. So you know. They might, I know, I remember reading something one time, they had like their Bama series, you know, so they rip off a nine-yard run, they get to second and one. Brady's just yelling out like Bama six, you know, and everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do on that play, you know. So they're investing all that time on the front end and practice, you know, with repetition and, you know, in the film room, in the meeting room, going over it. And then, so when they're out there, it's just automatic and reflexive. The problem, you know, with doing that all game long, you know, kind of gets into the, you get into some moments where it gets a little unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Like you might not have a play for this situation or you were going to run this play and then this happened. And so, and I mean, that's just natural play calling in general. I'm not having, you know, I'm not stating any revolutionary groundbreaking thought, but uh, a lot of it, a lot of football just comes down to, you know, the feedback you get from the conditions of the game that real-time feedback and tailoring your game plan approach to that. So I think I, Frost fell, fell prey to kind of going, you know, kind of in the direction that you were talking about, mm-hmm. like a two-minute drill basically all game, Yeah, where there were multiple games, especially in 18 and 19, that we probably win if he just slows things down and lets the defense, our defense, rest. And, and I was going to kind of bring that up, even on the offensive side, a, a, a Aside of the the quick tempo where the defense can't, you know, get their legs under him or, or, you know, our defense, you know, same team. But that's also, I think, if you're running at that tempo all the time without any chance to, you know, breathe yourself, that's where mistakes can be made. That's where a little sloppy play can happen. And again, now maybe you're not going three and out, but you're throwing the ball away or you're misplaying. You're missing uh, the block. Missing a block, you're 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 misplaying a, a handoff. You know that just any number of things that that forces the eleven guys on the other side of the field on on your defense to have to trot back out there that much sooner. Yeah, like Indiana 2019 is a great example of that for Nebraska. You know the game, um, Peyton Ramsey, Watt Fillier, uh, we Noah Vedral had to start, and then Luke oh, McCaffrey yeah. had to come in for us. Our offense was clicking, and then we had some turnovers and let Indiana back in it. If we just would have slowed things down a little bit offensively and just started to lean on them a little bit more, there's a chance that that defense can go out there and get a stop. Because, like, you got to play complementary football. You know, every phase is connected to each other in some form. You know, like, even if you got a punt, if your offense is good enough to dig out of a hole, so you're flipping field position when you do punt. You know, and your defense is getting a break because your offense is going on long drives and kind of wearing, you know, milking down the clock. And so, you know, that's one of the things I really like about Matt Rule so far is I haven't seen any glaring issues like with clock management or game management for the most part. You know, I was a little perturbed with the use of timeouts last week against Illinois. But for the most part, you know, this is still an offense that the training wheels are still very much on it in some regard. And so Uh I got to you know, use those timeouts like that. I just, you know, um, I know people are sick of me saying it. I just go back to that Wisconsin game. And if we run the ball there in the fourth quarter, I think the outcome is because at one point we had first down and we threw three complete or you know, three incomplete passes in a row and then punted the ball away. Uh, now I do not have Haas's eidetic memory, but that one is seared into my brain because I'm sitting there screaming to the extent that I could on a Thursday night with my family all asleep, but I'm screaming on Twitter, run the damn ball. In fact, uh, I'm, I have a new shirt coming to the house here from copycorn.com, and it's not RTDB. It's hashtag RTFB. 
it's a it's a John Johnston special. Um, John Johnston written all over it. And and if my children or if my son asks, even my wife, it will say, "What's that mean, Dad? Run the football." (laughs) But we know, (laughs) run the football. Um, Well, you know, like. But I, I would say, it, it's, it's in response exactly. to you, I would say that that would be the one thing that I wish we could go back and change. Exactly. I, I agree 100% because, you know, when you were talking about that game, I was thinking about it. And I, that was the second to last game of the year last year. So, like, mm-hmm. November 20, November 19th, you know, around that time frame. It was cold as fuck in Nebraska that weekend. I, I, I'm talking like I think the wind chill was about 10 down in Lincoln. It was so cold and, you know, everything was going on, you know, with the season winding down, we weren't playing that well. I got offered really good tickets for free for that game and I turned them down because I'm like, I'm not going to go sit out in the cold for that. And then we're up, what was it, 14 to 9, I believe, with about 90 seconds left. And we're going into about a 40, 45 mile an hour north wind. and he who shall not be named anymore on this podcast, you know, decides to dial up three straight pass plays. You know, I'm not a run the damn ball purist where I don't believe at all in the passing game. I do like some elements of the passing game, but in the big 10 West, in those conditions, you you can with the running game. And if Mm -hmm. you have to go the Iowa route and just pick up and pick up whatever's there and then bleed the clock down and then punt, that's what you do because in the Big Ten West, and I know a lot of people like to clown on the Big Ten West, the weakest power five division, all that. You see a lot of where the fundamentals of football matter in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten West. Um, you don't have to sometimes go and win a game. You just have to not lose it. Right. And like, you know, that's the one thing, one nice thing I'll say about Kirk Ferentz, you know, like just wait there. Wait for somebody else to make the fatal mistake. Just keep he's, doing what you do. He's been not losing majority of the games for twenty four years. 20 years. <laughs> and so, like that's one, frustrating. That's one of the things that I like about Rule is he adds that element of good game management, good clock management. Like, hey, we're gonna run the football. You know, looking back on looking back at the Minnesota game, I would say maybe point to that last drive, last two drives where. You know, Grant fumbled and then uh, Sims threw the interception as maybe that was an area where, you know, we could have done a little bit better with our situational football. Maybe, mm-hmm. on the, you know, well, on the Grant fumble, we're trying to run down the clock, you know, at that point. And then maybe when they're, it's tied 10-10, you continue to run down the clock instead of trying to get into field position. Just because your chances of scoring in overtime, at least a field goal from the 25, are infinitely higher than trying to drive the length of the field with what we had to work with offensively. This is going to, I don't know, maybe, hopefully people understand where I'm coming from. If I could change the outcome of just one game in the first half of the season, I would say Minnesota. And look, yes, uh, it would be great to flip the score and have beaten Colorado in Boulder. It would have been great to have shocked number two Michigan but no, I agree hundred percent with you, man. It, it's uh, it's a division game. It, it's a game you you need to win if you're going to you know start your march towards look, say what you want. Like you said, the the, the laughing stock division of, of college football as far as Power Five. But you win that game, you're in a much different place to win the division. You know, have a chance to India to. Establish your dominance, mm-hmm. you know, and and so now now we sit we're one and one in the division uh, with a, a win over Illinois and of course uh, the the loss to uh, Minnesota to uh, one and two in the conference when you throw Michigan in there hey it's it's Big Ten from here on out you got to buckle up and you have to like you said Hoss you have to play the type of football that needs to be played in October and November in the conditions that you're going to be facing. Um, you know, again, if you move to Omaha, Nebraska, you don't, and you know that we have winters where it gets snowy, it gets icy. You don't go out and buy a Corvette as your right. driver. You go out and you buy yourself a Toyota 4Runner. You know, you get, your, you get some good tires on it. 
You know, you got to be able to run the football when it matters. You got to be able to, you know, play the field position game. You got to have a plan for wind. And wind is probably the biggest detrimental factor, weather factor that we face in this area of the country. You can still throw the football when it's raining, when it's snowing. It's when it's windy that it really gets affected, you know. So when you look at all that, the Minnesota game, is what I, as time goes on, is really vexing because that really disrupted any good start to this season. Get, you know, building some confidence right out of the gate. You know, for Sims, I know that Sims had his turnover problem at Georgia Tech, and at some point you are what the stats say you are. But at the same time, you know, he had no opportunity to ever get comfortable and confident this season when he was the starter. I mean, you're talking about a hostile environment in Minnesota. You're talking about a hostile environment at Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so what that turns into is he's playing like crap because he doesn't have to the he hasn't had the ability yet to build his confidence in this, you know, friendly confines of a home right. game, you know, he's, where the crowd's not screaming. Correct me if I'm wrong, he's taken one step at home or one snap at home, and it was against Michigan when Harburg's helmet got pulled off. Yep. And he came in against Louisiana Tech too. That, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Um well, like I think again, I'm gonna go out and say this. You will see Jeff Sims as the starter again at some point this season. He is our he is our best chance to win games. And now that we are in a spot where we're playing at home, we're not playing, you know, Minnesota, we're not playing, you know, on the road at Colorado, we have an opportunity to see what the offense can do with him at the helm. I don't think you'll see him start against Northwestern, but I think you'll see him start get worked into the game plan. And then I think, you know, because they're going week to week on who the quarterback is, I think that you'll see Sims take control of the job moving forward. And I do think that he will play much better moving down the stretch of this season. We we talked earlier about uh, if 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 the Northern Illinois game and the Minnesota game were flipped or Louisiana Tech, Minnesota, you know, something like that. If you're starting with one of those, I don't I don't want to. Uh, denigrate anybody, but softer opponents, not conference, not power five uh, opponents at home. Maybe it does provide Sims the ability to settle into a little bit more of a positive rhythm than the negative rhythm that he kind of fell into. Building confidence, building self-efficacy. You know, that's all it comes down to. He never was afforded that opportunity this season. It's no one's fault. You play the hand that's dealt to you, you know, but now I think that you're going to see a different Sims emerge when he gets back in there. Because his what, his arm, his throwing ability is what – it's better than Harvard's, you know. Um, so we're going to need it moving forward. And at the very least, if Harvard maintains his, his control on the starting job, use put Sims in as a running back, put Sims mm-hmm. in as a slot receiver. We're going to need, fire every bullet in the gun. Like John Madsen, that load the wagon. You know, load the wagon, just get after it. You know, you're going to need everything that you can to, you know, contend for a division championship. It needs to be. And and I think, I hope Matt Rule, Mark Satterfield understand this. If you're going to compete over the, the back end of the schedule, the last six games, and again, the toughest one is behind you. You know, Michigan is is done. Michigan's in the past. You can't do anything for it. Mm-hmm. Got Northwestern and Purdue at home on the road at Michigan State. Uh, home against Maryland on the road at Wisconsin. So we talked about two places in November that are probably not going to be too terribly fun to play at, and then home against Iowa. But six games left, and your best chance of success is all hands on deck. Yep. You know, everybody's got to be ready to go every snap. Um, I want to talk. I want to shift away from Nebraska, uh, which is not because we're coordination. Um, but we've talked quite a bit about you know. Obviously, it's a bye week, so not any game necessarily to talk about um, they're coming off a of bye week. I should say um, we talked about the big 10 schedule coming up. We've talked about uh, the two minute uh, drill and then two minute offense because how it really helped Colorado state be Boise state. What I want to talk about now and look, we're not just bringing this up because we're Nebraska and they're a hated rival Everybody is talking about this because when you want all eyes on your program, you're going to get all eyes on your program, whether it's in good context or bad. And that is Friday night's final double overtime 
shocker as Stanford went into Boulder and beat Colorado 46-43 after Colorado was up 29-0 at halftime. Hoss, we have seen some epic meltdowns. But this is a little bit of uh, schadenfreude. If I pronounce that right, I'm not sure. I don't speak German. Um, I also don't know if schadenfreude's a, a good thing to have, it, 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 celebrating other people's misfortune. It's Colorado. It's Colorado. I was going to say, everybody gets a passing when it's Colorado. Um, I have seen some epic meltdowns. None have brought me as much joy as Colorado, the program that runs their mouth more than the top teams in the country. And pointing at their wrists and and doing everything, marking up uh, 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 the O in, in Eugene, Oregon, and, and doing this, that, and the other thing. Advocating a complete bullshit story about <laughs> Matt Rule pregame. Right. And and taking one on the chin to what has become, no offense or whatever offense is intended, uh, one of the worst programs in the Pac-12. You know Stanford what? had a one win heading into Friday night. Couldn't happen to a bun- nicer bunch of people. And you know what? Couldn't happen to a bigger bunch of dicks either. They're, I, we knew it from the start. They're a bunch of frauds. I mean, like I, I said it after they beat TCU. TCU is not a good football team. TCU be better than Colorado has since that meeting. Yeah, they've actually diverged. Yeah, you know their paths. Um, I said it after we played them too. Colorado, I still said Colorado is not a good football team, and that wasn't sore gra- sour grapes or being a sore loser. It's just Colorado is not very good. Um, they took advantage of TCU's inability or <laughs> TCU's inability to want to run the football they could run it and they did it so very effectively they just didn't want to Mm -hmm. and then they took advantage of our offense melting down and so when you look at it you know they got their ass kicked by oregon they should have lost to colorado state um they you know kind of hung around with usc but i think there's some serious questions about the how good usc is at this point you know after they got buzzsawed last night by notre dame and so when you look at it in totality, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say this. Nebraska finishes with a better record than Colorado. You, you, I, I'm going to say this um, because I, I, I think it just bears repeating. You have been uh, uh, trumpeting that remark for a few weeks now. So has our fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. It is not new to these years. Or to, to the people who listen to either the coordination right. or reaction week. Uh, or um, the five heart podcast and probably Monday night therapy and maybe even five points of contact. Oh, we're we're running a lot of shows here on uh, on coordination. Uh, more shows than Dion's got watches. That's probably not true. Yeah, no. And I'll tell you what. Uh, personally, I don't know if I'm. Uh, excited or saddened that I go to the same tailor as Deion Sanders. Do you really? I do. He he's a guy in St. Louis. He's been doing Deion suits for uh, uh, gosh since the nineties. And I, I was just I didn't know you were that wealthy. Oh, I don't. I'm my suits are not anywhere near as. Uh, but last time I was there, which was just a shade over a week ago, um, and I think I've talked to you about this. Uh, the reasons why I, I feel it pending need for a black suit. Um, but uh, I was talking to to my guy over there, and he said, yeah, we were just up in Idaho uh, at J.J. Watt's place, getting him all squared away for, for his uh, TV analyst stuff. I was, Damn. Like, I was like, well. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you, you, next time you, tell, you see J.J. Watt, you tell him that Greg Mahachko was just in the store, and you yeah. squared away. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Be like, and 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 ask if he could uh, hook me up with TJ Watt because I'm a Steeler fan. <laughs> oh, that's right. You like that horrible, awful franchise. I've told you this before. I've told I you know. That. I've I told you that they're in a, that they're in the top three teams that I hate in the NFL. Steelers, Broncos, Packers. I just didn't think you needed to bring it up again. Yeah. I thought we were past that, but I guess not. Well, it's TJ Watt. 
who should have been flagged for pass interference in 2016 against Jordan Westergaard. I'm sorry. I, I don't have that eidetic memory that you have. <laughs> Go back and watch. Was it. that the overtime? Yeah, that was the overtime. Okay. Game. Yeah, I do remember that now. You're right. You're right. But you know, since I'm then, he's become a defensive gonna MVP. I'm never going to make anyone apologize for their fandom, unless you're an Iowa fan. No. Then you owe the world an apology. Or a Colorado fan because you're, again, a sack of shit. Yeah, and you probably smell like granola and Birkenstocks. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were, were going to say, like, you smell like urine because you overfilled the bag or the balloon or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Moving on. I can't um, say they smell like Coors Banquet because, I, yeah. <laughs> you could change that. There are better beers out there. I do. You know, when I'm up in East Lansing, I, I don't know what areas of Michigan have Yingling, but I'm going to pick, you know, I was looking at their website and they do sell in Michigan and in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to pass through Indiana on my way to East Lansing. I'm going to pick up a couple of cases. You should. Bring back home. You should. Last time I went to uh, Kentucky, to Louisville, and, and got some. Um, it's a shame that you're going to go through Indiana, which means you have to go through Illinois, but I'm still about five hours south yeah. at least. Yeah, you're de- de- old downstate. Down here by St. Louis is all I can say. Yeah, yeah I'm going to avoid uh, the 88 corridor on my way to and from there, you know, so just take 80 all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Probably stop in Chicago on the way back just for a quick breakfast at uh, one of the places like over in Garfield Ridge. Nice little. I mean, if I'd be shocked if anybody that is listening knows about this, but the Three Sons Pancake House in Garfield Ridge, one of the best breakfasts I've ever had. It was so good that I'm willing to go an hour out of the way on my way home from East Lansing to eat breakfast there. That looks, hold on, Three Sons Restaurant. Chicago, Illinois, technically, I guess. Uh, breakfast and brunch. Pancake and... Oh, all right. I, I don't need to be looking at this at 10 o'clock at night. I, I don't want... <laughs> I, I, I don't want to stop what we're doing and go and make pancakes, yep. even though they won't be as good. I tell you, it's one of the best breakfasts I've ever had. And the price is nice. I mean, like, I think a huge breakfast sandwich unlimited coffee and orange juice and you know like some hash browns like nine bucks when i was there in 2018 i just flipped the waitress at 20 and i was like keep the change i'm gonna tell you what though take into account inflation i bet you it's gonna be closer to 14 bucks yeah probably this this economy um i don't i i I wanted to go off into a pancake conversation but realistically i'm a waffle man waffles are too airy Stop. Yeah. Just, you know what? All right. So two things we've learned we disagree on. Our breakfast uh, uh, carbohydrate of choice and uh, Steelers. Yeah. So just because your team has been more successful lately, but I'll tell you what my team doesn't have to deal with. Swifties. Hmm. Boom. Like... Okay, you know what? I'm, can I go on a rant here? Can I just go? It's only a matter of time until until she discovers Pat Fryermuth. <laughs> you know, I'm all in favor of that. You know. um, I, I I need to go on a rant here. I have been a Chiefs fan since 2003, the year that Dante Hall was running back kicks. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was like I had just gotten into Nebraska football the year before in 2002. That was when I really got into it. And then in 2003, you know, watch football. I'm like, huh, I need to pick an NFL team. So I asked my dad, I'm like, what NFL team do you like? Because he's he's always been a bigger college football fan, bigger Nebraska fan. You know, that was because, I mean, I didn't have to ask him what college team he, he liked when, you know, I started getting into football. I already knew. You know? It would have been hilarious if, as a prank, you were like, Creighton. Yeah. <laughs> no, he does like Creighton basketball, which is why I like Creighton basketball. Oh, you're not uh, a Jasker. No, I actually – don't even watch when the teams play each other. Okay. I lit- like last year I went to the game in Omaha and I literally was just like, Hey, whoever wins, they win. But that was the first time in years that I'd actually watched it because I like, like both, you know? Okay. Let's move but, on. But, um, so I was, you know, become a Chiefs fan. Cause my dad was a Chiefs fan. His dad was Chiefs fan from way back in the NFL days, you know, Hank Stram. 
And so, like, being a Chiefs fan for a lot of years was not easy. There was a lot of darkness from, you know, about 2007 to, you know, 2012. And then, you know, Andy Reid shows up. They get respectable. I used to be able – I get a Shields gift card for Christmas every year from my grandma. And every December 26th, I'd go up to Shields, and I'd always be – I always just had this thing where I was like, whatever Husker gear they have here, I've already bought it pretty much, the stuff that I want. So, like, I use the gift card on Chiefs gear. From 2013 to 2017, I used to be able to go there day after Christmas, buy whatever I wanted. They had everything. Now, now, they're sold out of the good stuff by, like, Halloween. <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm happy. I'm happy that people like the Chiefs. But, like, at the same time, if you don't remember, I and I'm not a big gatekeeper, okay? But, like, I'm going to gatekeep on this, on this one. If you don't remember Tyler Palco, Tyler Thigpen... <laughs> Brady Quinn, Kyle Orton playing for the quarterback for the Chiefs. Thomas Jones playing running back for the Chiefs. Tony Maiaki, Maioki, whatever, the tight end from Iowa. Ricky Stanzi from Iowa was on the Chiefs roster one time. If you don't remember those, you do not get to you, you're in a pro you don't you can still be a Chiefs fan. You're just on a probationary period. I I like, feel like do a check-in, a parole <laughs> check-in. It, if the Chiefs were to miss the playoffs, you know, in the this year, next year, whatever, we'd have to check in a year later and be like, so you're still a Chiefs fan or did you jump ship? <laughs> like, I watched a lot of shitty football when they went two and 12. Yeah. Or two and 14, I mean. I, it's the definition of, um, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. <laughs> you know why I hate Denver so much? Aside from just being a Chiefs fan, mm-hmm. well, I hate Denver and Green Bay so much because back in like 2012 to 2015, that time frame, if I were to go up to Oscars in West Omaha on a Sunday afternoon to get some pizza, wings, beer, and watch some NFL with my friends, you open the door of that place, it was full of Denver fans and Green Bay fans, and they were the most arrogant pricks about their teams, and they just – oh the chiefs you know now it's like that's why i relish in the fact that the chiefs have not lost to denver since 2015 i was gonna say it's 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 almost a decade i was in my third week of community college (laughs) when they last lost to denver i have a master's degree and i you know been working you know post graduation for over a year now you know like so like yeah we're just on a rant about professional football but i had to say it and i don't like the whole taylor swift thing i don't think Taylor Swift's music's very good. So, there, I said it. Well, I don't know if she likes receipts as much as Dion does. <laughs> um, I, You know, it, it's funny. I, uh, you know, we talk about, like, the streaks, and, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. That's why I got to bring it up. And then, folks, we're going to get out of here because I know you, you most of you probably tuned out when we started talking about NFL. Uh, the last time the Cleveland Browns, beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh in the regular season was in 2003, Ooh. which was before the Steelers drafted Ben Roethlisberger. And you know who Ben Roethlisberger's first quarterbacks coach was at Pittsburgh? I do. You want to tell us who it was? Mark Whipple. <laughs> Enemy of the podcast, Mark Whipple. Uh, in, in all – you know, home, home or away, uh, the Brown Cleveland. Or, uh, let me let me put it this way: Pittsburgh against Cleveland since two thousand is thirty-seven, eight, and one. Damn, that, that's a statistic I like. Talk about little brother or our bitch. So anyway, this you is did not lose a in the playoffs to them a few years ago. Hmm. You did lose in the playoffs to them a few years ago. Yeah, I said regular season. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh it, it, all right, that's it. All right, that is it for this episode. We we joked at the before we started, like, we we'll probably go a half hour on this thing, and here we are almost to an hour. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Uh, make sure that you drop a comment as you're listening to the show. I know a friend of the show, Josh, does. Um, and and uh, we probably won't read it, but that's not, I mean, I don't go back and read who's got that kind of time. Hoss might. Um, I, I do not. Uh, the late great Brian Toll taught me long ago never read the comments. 
That's fair. Well, let me tell you, there have been a few times I didn't heed that advice, and I've found myself being really pissed off. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's it for this episode of Corn Nation Overreaction. Next week we'll have a game to talk about as Northwestern is in Lincoln uh, on Saturday, 2.30 kickoff. Uh, against our beloved Huskers, the 100th anniversary celebration of Memorial Stadium. Should be a great time. Let's celebrate doubly by really winning the battle of the NUs. Uh, so for my my friend, my brother, my broadcast partner, Haas Reuter, I'm Greg Mahachko. This is Coronation Reaction. Scratch that. This is Coronation Overreaction. I knew something didn't sound right. And go Big Red. Win the damn game, Nebraska 40. Northwestern 13. Score 40. Win big. Yep.